0: Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the content creators and should not be assumed to reflect product endorsements or the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hello, this is Dan Spoon, President of the American Council of the Blind. I just want to give a big hip-hip hooray out there to our tremendous membership that does such a great job
1: ACB Families, a warm, welcoming affiliate that's as close as your telephone. ACB Families meets on the first and third Sunday of each month by Zoom, and we're always talking about topics that touch families that are large or small, families with kids or grandparents, families just like yours and mine. Be part of our ACB family. Call 502-897-1472 or email allacbfamilies at gmail.com. Join me,
0: Brian McCallen, on Speaking Out for the Blind. I interview blind newsmakers to inspire the population to go for their dreams. Speaking Out for the Blind airs Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern on ACB Media 1. Welcome to Speaking Out for the Blind. I'm Brian McCallen. CNN says... That Australian man, Stefan Nero, grew up visually impaired. Stefan remembers struggling with constant anxiety. He got out of that anxiety after discovering visually impaired sports. One of those sports was cricket. Stefan continues to play cricket today. And he joins us to talk about his life being visually impaired and becoming an international athlete. Welcome to the show, Stefan.
1: Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
0: Glad you're here. You grew up visually impaired. What were some of the challenges that you faced in school?
1: Um, it's, it's multifaceted, I would say. One of the big struggles, I would say, is dealing with, uh, obviously, the institution itself, which is my, my school, um, well, both schools, high school and, and primary school uh, in Australia. Um, obviously, the lack of understanding, I would say, about what's, um, what, what, support, what support I did require, um just I would say the attitude, like you know, I'd say a poor attitude from some teachers as well and and um because I didn't actually really look vision impaired, um it just kept people was, I had to keep reminding people about my, you know, my struggles and what I needed. Um and um it was very difficult. Um it, especially engaged with other kids like the other you know, I was an all boys so other boys my age. Um, you know, it it just trying to uh, see people's faces in the first place, you know, when you can't see their face. Well you, you don't know who they are and you're trying to figure it out and um and unfortunately you build up a, a, a poor reputation, I think, you know, some, someone who's awkward or shy, you know. Um and um and that's kind of all those compounding factors made made school a bit difficult for me until year eleven and twelve when when um you know everyone just decided, look, who cares about that? Um let's just move on and, and let's all get help each other get through, you know, to, to university. Um, but, um, that the struggles that I had with my, my school in terms of access and accessibility continued until I left. Um, and it continues now at my university now, but much better.
0: You described yourself as quote unquote, lonely, very quiet, even weird. How did you struggle with that anxiety?
1: Uh, it was hard. It was very hard. There's a lot of you know. It's there was. I had very little friends. Um. There's a lot of nights where I was just sit there alone. Um. You know, just watching TV or something. You know, it was, it was difficult. And I could see you know people going out on the weekends, at parties, or you know going out with other other friends from school. And um, at school, there's a lot of times at lunch where I'd be sitting at sitting there on my own. Um, and and trying to look busy. So I, I wasn't. You know, people just didn't think I was sitting there on my own. So it w- it was very difficult. Um and without sport I think I don't know if I would be here today, I think. Um, or at this late stage of my life today, because it was it was very difficult. There's a lot of nights where um I just sat there, I said, Is is this gonna get any better? Um, because I just felt so isolated. Um and partially was that because of my fault, um, a little bit because as I said, it was a little bit weird. Um as 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 I was around that age. I'm obviously much more improved now. Some people disagree, most of my mates. Um, but, um, yeah, obviously now it's 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 learning from those mistakes and re- remembering that, obviously, first impressions do matter, you know, um, and also standing up for myself with, with my vision, you know, explaining to people and not, not letting them take advantage of it as well or just forget it as well.
0: Yeah, you started to hang out with some other visually impaired people. What about that just made you a more... Energetic and very outgoing person.
1: Well, I wasn't really that great at school. um, And sport and stuff, I wasn't really achieving at school with sport um, because, like I said, the struggles with accessibility, I was kind of obviously just trying to survive, really. Um, But when it came to vision-impaired sport and meeting new people, I could talk and engage with people that I knew um, had gone through the same struggles I did, you know. Um, I was actually—it's actually a tale of two personalities. At school, I was very awkward and stuff. At at during talking out of vision pair, people was very bubbly and 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 you know, exciting. I was even the funny guy kind of thing, you know what I mean? Um, and it just gave me a new lease and everything as well. Um, being able to 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 persevere and and improve and, and and be seen as you know, I was at that age, you know, obviously one of the one of the best players I was playing goalball um, at the time, you know. Um, and then carried on to play blind cricket and soccer and other a few other football and a few other sports as well. So it was great to kind of engage and speak with other people in that community um, of all ages, because obviously you had a few older people there who had a lot of life experience and could teach me and, and push me in the right direction as well, um, which really pushed me into um, moving, moving my life forward.
0: How did you first learn about blind cricket and how did you speak out to get into it?
1: Um, I, I learned about buying cricket from uh, – I watched my mates play it. I, I had some vision impaired mates who were playing it. Um, I never really thought about getting involved in it. Um, as I said, I was playing goal all the time. Um, and then I learned – like they, they said to me, I was to like, come and try a day here in, um, in, in Western Australia, in Perth. And they said, look, do you want to go, go play it? And I said, okay, yeah. Um, I don't know how it would go. And I started playing it and I really just started loving it, and I think. it was I used to play cricket when I was younger. Um, with my dad at, the, at my dad. Um, and, you know, that's something that all obviously sons do play sport with their fathers. Um, but over time, I couldn't stop, I couldn't, I couldn't do that anymore because my sight was just getting obviously declining. Um, so it was good to kind of get that new lease on that sport that I love watching and playing as well. Um, and then the rest is history. And we went to New Zealand a few months later, um, an Australian training camp as well. And, and obviously from there, not without struggles. Um cricket, but obviously that's the best part about it is it's it's persevering through it all
0: so how do you play cricket as a blind person? say some of our listeners wanting to get into cricket, how do they play it
1: oh so you obviously you have um in terms of categories so you have the b three b two b one so b one being fully blind uh b two being uh up to five percent vision and b three up to ten percent vision I'd say so um obviously when you have eleven players on a on a cricket side um you have you usually have around four b ones um and then three b twos and then four b threes as well so obviously you have a, a on the cricket field there's a, a number of different categories of sight and different people involved um, so um it's very similar to normal uh, to to convention or some able body cricket there's just a few key differences. so the ball we use it's more plastic. Um, And it's bowled underarm. So, um, and before um, the bowler um, bowls his delivery, he asks the batsman if they're ready and they say yes. And then as he releases the ball in his stride, he has to say play. So obviously the batsman knows to some extent where it's coming from, or not where where it's coming from or when it's coming. Um, And um, so, for example, if you have 20 overs in the game, uh, B1s have to bowl at least eight of those overs. So, um, they obviously think key important part of the game. If you're, if you have very good B ones, they they that you you'll most likely win the game. But if you have B ones, you bowl a lot of extras. Um, that that can typically mean that you will lose because it's just very it's too hard to kind of maintain that and main, like, cover that kind of that those those runs. Um, but mostly the same. You are all the conventional modes, dismissal. All generally the same. LBW. A run out, caught, bowled, everything as well. It's just kind of the difference between the ball, the ball end, obviously the way it's just played a little bit.
0: So I, so I'm visually impaired myself and I, if I was playing cricket, I would be B2 or B3, right?
1: Uh, yes, you would. Yeah.
0: Okay. And, um, so how do you know if you've won a game of cricket?
1: How do you know if you've won? Um, well, for example, if, if you're on, if we were on opposite teams, um, if your team batted first um, and, you know, you know, you batted first, you're you you're hitting the ball first and running and everything. Um, you made 200 runs, for example, um, and then I batted second. And then you were, while I was batting, you were trying to bowl me out or stop me from making runs. Um, we made 190, um, then you would have won the game. But um, by restricting us in our 20 overs, um, but, or if you bowl me out, so obviously you get 10 wickets, then that means that we're out, we're all out and you win anyway as well. So, um, yeah, cricket is a bit interesting when you <laughs> explain it like that, but, um, yeah, we, obviously the other way around, if I was, if I was bowling first, if I bowled you out for 20 runs, for example, you know, or 10 wickets for 10 wickets all out your team, um, or I just restricted you on the 20 overs to 50 and I chased it down um, before my 20 overs are up. Um, then that's how you would win the game. If it makes sense.
0: That makes sense. Yes, it does. Who trained you in playing cricket? Did you have a special coach?
1: A number of different people. Um, I, over the years, I've had enough, many different coaches and stuff as well, who have all been very good. I've learned different things from them. Um, I didn't make the, the Ashes team for 26, 2015, 2016. So when England came here to play us in the Ashes series. Um, so I, I basically engaged with a coach and I trained for about a year, um, you know, a couple of times a week for a year. Um, and then that's how I made the corresponding squad to go to India for the World Cup. Um, so I'd say Luke Wimbridge, he's had a big impact on my career. Um, you've also got a few others as well. Um, that's, um, I've seemed to escape my mind uh, suddenly. Um, but there's been so many coaches involved, and in there's like I said, so many different knowledge bases and, and support, which is very really much appreciated as well. Um, you typically just get a normal cricket coach, I'd say, and they just learn the game of blind cricket and able to help you in that regard as well.
0: Last June, I read from CNN that you made sports history when you scored a record breaking number of runs in blind cricket. How did you achieve this?
1: Um, a lot of hard work, a lot of hard work before, before the series, a lot of running, a lot of soft fitness work, a lot of um, skills, deb- training and everything as well. Um, on the day, it was very difficult um, because, as you know, being vision paired, the light can have a really big impact on everything. Um, so for myself, um, it was um, trying to survive the early morning. I was at 9, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock in the morning. So it was very – the light was very poor, um, From one end of the pitch, the base of the ball was invisible and the other end was easier to see. So it was about navigating that. Um, And then just trying to get our team into a strong position. And as I kept going and going, I realized there might be something special here. Um, But I still wanted to try and maintain that and get the team to a strong position to, to hopefully win the game. So
0: That's amazing. So it was featured in both national and international news. When you saw yourself getting featured, did that success finally sink in?
1: Uh, yeah, it did. Yeah, I, 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 it did sink in. I typically don't like to to go on about it to people. Um, I, I try and you know, I don't like you know people talk about it and stuff as well. I, I try to avoid talking about myself. Um, just I think that's the way my parents brought me up is you know revel in your success and obviously appreciate it, but don't obviously be arrogant and stuff because. Um, I don't want to be seen as that kind of person to to be arrogant and to be you know rubbing in my success, success to other people. Um, so for me, it's, it, it definitely has sunk in a little bit now. Um, obviously seeing all the obviously news articles and everything as well, even obviously be on CNN was you know fantastic. Um, when when it did happen, I was all over the place. I was getting interviews, very a lot of interviews. I was on the mainstream networks here, which is very difficult for a vision impaired sport to be on the mainstream network, like the main, main, main media networks, um, which was amazing, you know, and obviously I had people from my high school or, um, family members see me on TV and stuff as well. So it was definitely amazing to, to, to realize. Um, but like I said, typically I try to avoid talking about myself too much.
0: (laughs) Sure. Um but, but I, I still I still think you've done a great job. Let's talk a little bit about um what are some of your uh future cricket matches?
1: Um so we do have the World Cup coming up um next week in India. Um I, I've unfortunately pulled out of that series for, for personal reasons. Um but we do have our national cricket inclusion championships in in February, which is run by Cricket Australia. Um, which is basically our nationals. So obviously you've got all the different states of so Australia. we played against each other and um, New South Wales has won the last three years. So hopefully we can continue that. Um, and then we have uh, the IPSA World Games, Blind World Games, which is in Birmingham next year. I believe there's a cricket aspect to that as well. Um, and apparently there are might be more at that cricket tournament. I think maybe a series against England. I don't know. Like uh, Hopefully we'll see what happens. But... Um, That's kind of the future of what international of of cricket at the moment Um, because um, our our season typically ends in March. So obviously we're now in our our season, 2022, 2023 season, Um, and it'll end about March. Um, And then obviously, you know, most of the international guys or the Australian guys will keep training for Birmingham as well with England. So that should be really interesting and really cool.
0: Have you spoken with any other blind or visually impaired groups about your success?
1: Um, well, I, I have t- a few friends in um, different sports. So obviously goalball and everything as well. Um, in terms of other vision impaired groups, I've, I've you know, I've spoken to a few about it. Um, but um, yeah, it's a bit of an interesting situation to I don't know if it's the same in where you are, but um, in Australia it's, um, in terms of vision-impaired groups as well, it can, there's not a lot of communication between them at some, at some stages. Um, but in terms of what I've done, I've just spoken to a few different athletes and other sports. Um, and I've spoken to a few people from groups, but not specific groups specifically as well. So, um, you know, uh, a lot of the interest has mostly been from, um, you know, uh, mainstream and able-bodied networks and groups as well.
0: So you, let's talk about your vision. You were born with not one, but two visual impairments. First one being congenital nystagmus, and another one being achromatopsia. Acromatop- Is that how I pronounce it?
1: I believe so, yeah.
0: Okay, acromatopsia. How did both eye diseases affect your vision?
1: Well, it's interesting enough. I was only di- I was only diagnosed with nystagmus when I was younger. Um, the the other diagnosis, um, which started a, I can't obviously I'm not going to bother pronouncing it. <laughs> um, that was actually very recent, uh, but also f- provides a few reasons about why um, why obviously there's a few th- what's happening with my vision as well. Why I'm very perceptible to light and stuff as well because obviously it's basically cone kind of dystrophy the um, the the other one as well. So it kind of makes a bit more sense now um, because there's very few people have just nice um as a, as a condition. Um, but um, yeah, it was, it was very, inter- like I said, it's very interesting. Um, a lot of situations where I had to obviously change things up and make it more accessible for myself. So um, yeah, it's, um, but also obviously trying to explain, get rid of that social stigma because when obviously with my stigma as well, um, when I was very stressed or tired, um, my eyes would obviously, you know, go very hay like, you know, very, you know, all over the place as well. And it's trying to explain to people why that was occurring because people could see it. And, uh, obviously it worried a little bit. <laughs> so trying to explain that to people and to go, look, it's just part of my eye condition. Just, you know, it's all good and stuff as well. So that's how I managed to get through it.
0: So you're, you're struggling with, um, focusing and, um, uh... You've also got that sensitivity to bright light. Um, do you have to wear like special sunglasses to get, to, to um, lessen that sensitivity? Because I know some blind people have to wear sunglasses all the time. Uh,
1: typically, when it's very when we're outside, I usually wear sunglasses. Um, so there's obviously your conventional sunglasses. When I play cricket, I usually have this uh, special kind of sun- sunglasses which don't lot of the other guys wear. they're kind of like sports sunglasses, which are I'll say a bit better to because obviously you're outside the field it's um, you know you have to manage different conditions of light. so um, yeah like that's kind of um, the way I have to deal with it as well. So um, obviously the special sunglasses when I play cricket. And obviously, I would say normal sunglasses is what I'm just going out regularly.
0: What sort of advice would you offer our listeners who want to play blind sports?
1: Um, look, I think it, it, it's it, – I'm not saying it's not intimidating. It can, it can be quite intimidating for people, especially if you don't have a sports background or anything. If people can, can get, get quite worried or saying they might get injured or something. Um, I think that the blind sports is more just a competition or, or a, a sport. It's a community. Um, and it's really important to be a part of that community, I think. Um, there's you know, I, I Obviously, here in Australia as well, um, and I say across, across across the world, there's so many more opportunities now for different sports and different um, opportunities in terms of all, all those sports. Um, so And there's so many different people and experiences to, to rebel in. Um, so I think that people just, you know, just, just obviously just take the first step, just try it. If you don't like it, then that's fine. You move on to something else. Um but there's always a trying is always the first step and that's usually the hardest step. But trying and maintaining it will be obviously can be very positive and beneficial because you're involved in that community. Maybe even if you just play the sport socially, just have fun. You don't have to be competitive. But it's all about engaging and, and 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 liaising and um connecting with more and more people which have a vision impairment as well and as well. Um it's important to build those social networks up as well. So I would say for people just to try it um, and and to try and make it work, I would say. And if it doesn't work, then at least you know you tried and you can, you can move on to something else, you know, as well. It doesn't have to be sport, but, it, but it can, you know, sport has a powerful, um, is a powerful, you know, force in, in our society as well. So it's important to try and tap into that.
0: Do you think getting um, help from other players, other um, I mean fellow players and other fellow uh, teams, and uh, even the coaches and support staff helps?
1: Definitely, yeah, definitely, yes. Yeah. So I think obviously, um, being honest and open of what, what you need and what you can do um, in terms of just even basic things like travel. You know, you never know if you just said, "Look, I'm, I'm just I struggle a little bit to get here." you never know if someone one of the coaches or support staff like oh I can just pick you up on the way or something as well you know Uh, that's one thing I learned is to to communicate to to openly communicate about your needs Um, you know and that can be hard for people and I I, I do it was hard for me Um, but you know there are so many like you know people are if you are open and honest with people and just you know um, and usually if they're involved in that kind of environment they're usually obviously very you know they're usually a good person obviously because they're getting up their time to, to coach or to, to vault to run the sport. Um, but obviously as well, just engaging with the people around you in that kind of environment and just, you know, um, building up those networks and, and, and you never know. Like I said, you might have friends and stuff as well very quickly to help you get there, help you with equipment, um, help you with other things as well. Um, maybe you have an issue... In your work life, or an education, you know, in terms of accessibility with your employer, um, and maybe um, one of the other people involved—a player, a coach, or a support staff—maybe they've dealt, dealt with that before, um, and you know that they can. It's really, and they might have some advice for you. So um, it's all about just like communication and just you know, and just engaging with these people because you know, know what the what kind of result it could be.
0: Stefan, you're an inspiration to us all. Thanks for coming on the show today. You're a great athlete.
1: Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Before we go, listeners, I welcome your comments on this program. Just visit and like me on Facebook at Speaking Out for the Blind or follow me on Twitter at Speak Out Blind or Speak Out for the Blind. You can also check out my website, that's speakingoutfortheblind.weebly.com. More information on today's show is posted there. Just look under the List of Episodes and Show News tab. In my show archive, visit Speaking Dash Out Dash Four Dash Dash Blind dot That's all for this edition of Speaking Out for the Blind. Thanks for listening, and remember to speak out. You are listening to ACB Media One, also known as Mainstream, the flagship of the ACB Media Network. The ACB Media Network is a service of the American Council of the Blind. Please visit us at acbradio.org.